0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Aaron Rodgers looking for Devonte Adams, who's got it! DJ Moore has it! Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I am joined by Sean Siegel, my co-host here. Sean, we had an action-packed show on Thursday as we talked with Michael Leone, and it is awesome that we're going to him back on today's show yet again. We'll have Mike on in just a couple of moments. This is episode 395 of the Road of His Overtime podcast, heading towards episode 400, more news coming on what we will do as a celebration for that in next week's shows and of course we will have Peter Overzet joining us next week as well on the Thursday edition but uh, Sean as we head into this show I am very very excited to to talk Dynasty today we did talk basketball though on Thursday show but let's let the listeners know how they can get in on an exciting offer over at Underdog Fantasy.
2: Yeah, we finished out the last show by discussing a little bit of the underdog specific tactics. We've got a cool article, really a series of articles coming out from Michael Dubner on a draft that we're doing with the RotoViz writers on underdog right now. It's been fun it's been chaotic the players are coming off the board in interesting fashion we'll be able to give you a sense of some of the things that you're going to contend with an underdog but also some of the things you'll contend with if you are doing a draft with a very sort of rotoviz centric room but that's been a lot of fun you can look forward to that content on the site as you go over to underdog make sure you use the coupon code rotoviz to get a 100 deposit match that's up to 100 as I mentioned at the end of the show on Thursday, I like these codes you can remember easily, and nothing jumps to my mind more quickly. Column than Rotoviz.
1: Yeah, it's nice, and uh, even at the end of the year for the ten percent discounts, there's like always that part where you have the muscle memory of saying, you know, RV Radio 2021, and then for the first like six shows of 2022, you're sending the the wrong code. But yeah, that's a nice, easy one. That is Rotoviz over at Underdog. Get involved over there. I'm back on the show again. It's a pleasure as always, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we know there was a big trade between Sean and Mike over the, the last couple of weeks, and I've heard some snippets of it, but I'm, I'm waiting to get some first-hand information from the guys involved themselves. So, uh, Mike, welcome back to the
3: podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This this trade was, uh, it was a fun trade. It was a little bit of a battle in terms of negotiations, and we, we got done a, a pretty massive trade, so I'm excited to break it down.
2: Mike, let's set the stage a little bit here. You and I are in a dynasty league that you set up a couple of years ago. It's one of my absolute favorites because the startup was an auction. Anyone who is looking to do a startup this season and you have the time to go through the auction process, it's just, it's far, far better because you give every manager a chance to go after the guys they want. So if you want a Jonathan Taylor, you know, your question is, how much are you willing to spend? And just do it, right? Now, the consequences of that may be that you don't have a lot left over, but you at least have choices. You can't make the argument, well, I got a draft slot that didn't allow me to go after the approach that I wanted. So do auctions if you can. This was originally an auction that made it an absolute blast. It's super flex, it's tight end premium, it's best ball. So we can focus on all the really positive, fun things and then. You know, we don't have to be bogged down with all of those decisions in season. It has a five-team playoff race with a three-week total points. That eliminates a little bit of the playoff luck. That part of it's nice. You feel like if you have the best team, you're going to win. We just finished season two. We're heading into season three. Uh, Anthony Amico, who we've had on the show, who drafted a team with Colum and uh, last year. He's the two-time champion. So we're now looking for someone to take Anthony down. You finished second and third in the first two seasons. I finished fourth and second. And so that kind of gives us a sense of, you know, where we are and were and maybe the different directions that we're going. in. I say different because we had to decide who was going to go all in and who was maybe going to do a little rebuilding. So here was the trade and we'll give the listeners a, a sense of which directions we decided to go. You give up Tyree Kill, Derek Henry, Aaron Rodgers, and Dalton Schultz. I give up Chase Claypool, Baker Mayfield, two round ones, two round twos, a three, four, and a five with these deeper leagues, and especially with Superflex and Tight End Premium. Even the three, four, fives, uh, those are not you know purely throw-in types of pieces there. Then we've had some interesting things happen because immediately, once the trade, (laughs) these player values start to shift pretty significantly. Aaron Rodgers loses Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill goes to Miami, Baker Mayfield. I I mean, he's not good, but he's good enough that it's hard to think that in the end he's going to lose out in this QB musical cheers, but in the short term, he may have. Still a little bit unclear with how that is going to develop. So... I guess the takeaway here is that I did decide to continue to push. You are rebuilding. Is this trade going to pay off for both of us? Would you call this a win-win? What are your thoughts now on this trade that we've had a little bit of time to see some player values change and just digest it a little bit?
3: It, I think it'll end up a win-win. It's It was a difficult trade for me to make because my team was still pretty good, but there, these leagues were in, you really have to understand the market of the league that you're playing in. You know, it's not going to reflect the overall trade market value. And the league we're in, I know no one is going to fall on the knife with some of these older players as they age out. And if I'm going to get value on some of these guys, I'm going to have to do it a year earlier than I want it to. And for me, sort of the tipping point was the Calvin Ridley suspension. And me having calvin ridley and that and um there's kind of an interesting segue here in terms of talking about how to build these deep dynasty best ball teams at the quarterback position but i had gone the quantity over quality route at quarterback which helped pay off the first couple of years if it wasn't for freaking Amico beating me um but i'm paying the price for that now where i was just i was so far behind you guys at quarterback and I, I no longer had the quantity because my guys lost jobs. <laughs> so so where I could compete with quantity before to make up for your guys increased quality, I couldn't even do that anymore. And it, so, so I just saw a lot of risk for my team and I decided now was a better time to get out. Um, I felt like in terms of pure value uh, that you won the trade, <laughs> I gave up some, uh, got like 75 cents on the dollar. But I think when you're rebuilding, sometimes you have to, like, because as we saw immediately, like Tyreek Hill's value shifts; it's never going to increase. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' value shifts; it's never going to increase. And we had to, I had to do a big deal with you because like, no one's paying me market value on Derrick Henry in this league. Like this league's not it's not an FFPC league where I can ship off Derrick Henry for for first rounder. Would have loved to be able to do that. So almost had to. Give them to you as part of a package just to make myself feel better, to feel like I got something for Derrick Henry. So that's sort of this stage of like what I was thinking um, as far as I made this trade. And I did make a trade with Amico to get a first rounder from him. And I shipped one of my dying crappy quarterbacks and Matt Ryan along. It was a similar deal where like Matt Ryan was the throw in as opposed to Derrick Henry just to make myself feel a little bit better, like I got something. Um, after Karain drunkenly the year before got me to give up like a first and second for matt ryan which is uh really painful right now
1: yeah see that that probably is a bit painful um sean has mentioned to me with well, some of the details of the trade that in the first two seasons that you went a little bit you know all in to try and uh, get that one but you know he did mention that you did as well as you could going all in without winning the title but how did the one now or one immediately of approach pay off in those first two years
0: yeah,
3: I mean, not winning once hurts. Uh, Sean has the opportunity to still win one, um, and his team's so balanced. I don't, I don't know. He he might be in the win now window now with this trade that we made. Um, and I should say, like, weird thing, but like the the final throw and Sean had me put in was Dalton Schultz, and I I feel like uh, that I, I, at the point I was kind of like, all right, let's do it. But Schultz now he's like T six or seven in some of these redraft ADPs, and he's looking pretty good. So. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It went okay. I think it was fun to try. I'm people joke like my uh, motto is never middle. You know, we we just want to go one extreme to the other. And there's some merit to it, and there's some just entertainment value to it. You know, we're in these dynasty leagues. We want to have a little bit of fun. I think it was worth because there were a couple teams that just straight up tanked from the beginning, and then there were a few teams that got really stuck in the middle, and it just felt like a good opportunity. And I did kind of always in the back of my mind think if it gets to a point where I need to tear this down, I'm going to do it a year early, not a year late. And and I reached that point. And I did try to get some players like Baker Mayfield and Chase Claypool, who like, I don't even think they're in my long-term plans, but these are guys that given their pedigree that if they have one like pretty solid season, like their value could jump a lot. And sometimes when you're rebuilding, especially in a league like we have, it's hard to for me to trade for like a Jamar Chase, just cash all my chips in for Jamar Chase because one, people are like pretty hip to the value of Jamar Chase, but two, the depth matters so much. Like I'm going to need 30 players contributing to my team at some point. So like I'm almost, I think it's interesting. We on the best ball podcast talked about Rondell Moore. He's one of those guys too, where, like one really good year, his value flips a ton. So I only got two first round picks from Sean. But if Baker Mayfield, I don't know, if he signs with Seattle and gets bullied by Lockett and Metcalf and has a really good year, like he's probably gonna be worth a first rounder in superflex. If Chase Claypool, with um, Juju Smith Schuster gone and not an inept Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, has a really good year, he, he's worth a first rounder. So I do like trying to get those types of pieces when you're rebuilding um even if you're not planning a whole long term just to try and flip in a year
2: i really liked the direction that you went here because this idea of rebuilding a year early instead of a year late is really important one of the things as you and i were kind of working through this trade this is tricky <laughs> is that if you are in a league where everyone sees The positional value or i should say the player value and sort of the aging through and we have uh, some great articles from pat when he was you know writing for rotoviz that just make it so clear what's going to happen to you with these trade values as the players go through like you said you have to take 75 cents on the dollar but your option otherwise is just to watch your team sink and finish fourth and then sixth and then eighth and then you know, you're like I'm the commissioner, but I kind of want to make this a team. That I give up this orphan, you know, and and so to be competitive, you have to go out there and get that. And looking at the trade from the opposite side, I'm looking at it from the perspective of these are good values in this trade for me and where I'm going to go. But I mean, you. And this is kind of a weird thing because as you're trying to do win-win trades, it needs to be win-win and it needs to make sense for both people. But it's hard, I think, to do these trades
3: because like how much does it move the needle for you, even though you're like getting like objectively like better value that doesn't necessarily translate to like your increase in win expectation. Exactly. And it's just, it's so difficult
2: to not have any trade where someone is trying to rebuild and up being a lose, lose for both managers, because I look at this. I'm like, the value has to be incredible. And then I have to get lucky in order to not lose myself because when I mean, these guys trade values are going to decline. And I think that there's maybe an overestimate or, sort of a misplaced belief in how much trade value and actual value doesn't align it does more than i think people realize and the reason that the trade values decline for these players is because they stop helping you win yeah and people don't want them at that point and so one of the things that obviously happens after this trade is i don't have any picks in 2022 2023 2024 now i do have a team that probably has the best starting lineup and i have enough depth with still young players and the tight end was helpful because i just think tight end is how you win leagues and now i have like five good tight ends and so i can weather some injuries and hopefully those guys will score some points we'll see you know how it does work out but that element of it is tricky and one of the things that jumped out to me that you said there is that some of those guys are not necessarily even in your long-term plan well baker mayfield is not awesome but if he has a lot of qb years left and i've been a Derek carr believer i i that he's quite a bit better than baker mayfield but you look at kind of how their careers could progress and someone who's been a solid nfl starter and is in their 20s i mean that guy could have 10 years and someone who's not great and this is kind of one of the things we talked about because i think that when people originally look at this and there's a possibility that aaron Rodgers plays for a long time if he does then that will be great for me that could actually be the thing that matters a lot more than hill or henry but as you and i were talking about this mayfield could play twice as many years maybe three times as many years and then because it's best ball super flex, that element of it is gigantic. But then the other thing you can do is just retrade him. And I, I get in these sort of rebuild types of conversations and, and trade negotiations with a lot of different managers and a lot of different formats. And because you have to give up something to get something, I will try and move some players that don't fit for me. And most of the time the response is, well, that doesn't fit my youth movement. And I'm just like everybody doesn't have to. You need pieces on your roster that you could move to somebody else. Think about the next trade, and so being willing to do that, I think, is a huge part of why this trade worked and why I think it's going to
3: help both of us. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and I am curious your thoughts on some of the, like the rebuild process. Like for me, one of the difficult parts about our league is you know it's it's two horse race now basically. But as you noted, it kind of in our show notes, there's a few teams that if they peak early could get interesting. So uh, what's tough for me is like, how far do I go tearing this down? Like, how many pieces do I trade? Do I wait till the trade deadline to hope one of these emerging teams has a really good start and now they feel like they can compete and maybe they're more willing to give up some future assets? And then there's also a couple pieces I have. That I don't know. Do I hold and hope the value increases? Do I move now? Um, Because I think it's very clear with someone like Tyreek Hill. He clearly has short-term value. He's also clearly not going to have a lot of value in three years from now. But then I've got some guys like Mark Andrews and DeAndre Swift, where it's like I can hold these guys. But if it goes bad for a running back, who knows? Davis Maddox in our league and. He started with a rebuild and we just give him so much crap because he's put a lot of capital eventually into Clyde Edwards-Elair and just kind of refused to trade him because he always saw the upside there. And I'm wary of like, I really like DeAndre Swift, but I don't want to go down that route. DeAndre Swift, if DeAndre Swift becomes a third round, third round value, like I'm in trouble in a couple of years. So I threw a lot at you there, Sean, but just kind of curious how you see like the process of going through a rebuild.
2: Well, for the listeners, I did try and get Mike to uh, consider <laughs> including Swift in that trade, and I did not have enough that I could send back to, to make that part of it work. Yeah, I mean, I think those those questions are interesting because as you're rebuilding, your question is, is it a rebuild? Is it a reload? Do I want to get torn down to the point where it, it's kind of like the punt from the beginning? I mean, how do you see that in terms of looking at some of these teams that went very aggressively to like you said tank in the first couple of years the upside there is that by year three or four you could have almost an unbeatable juggernaut but it does take some execution you do have to go through a long period of time where maybe the league's not that fun because you're not winning and you know this is a very good league. And I think that because, you know, you trust the other people who are participating the commissioner, all that kind of thing, you're more willing to do it. But I mean, who's to say the league is even going to be there when your team is this unstoppable juggernaut? Uh,
3: it, what What would your goal be in terms of opening up a new competitive window? Yeah. So to start with like the teams like Pat and Davis had two teams that just started with rebuild basically like that was their their plan from the get-go they traded their their auction money for draft picks and it is interesting to watch them they're having a tough time with well the one dynamic this league too deep starting rosters and it's best ball so something that sean's been very from the get-go clued in on is you need you need almost 30 contributors to like have a really good team and it is interesting to see these teams like pat and davis are they going to be able to ever build that depth starting with like almost nothing you know to go from like four assets that are like valuable to even though they've got all the picks you know can they balloon that into into 30 viable assets i don't know so that's something that's on the back of my mind as i'm rebuilding i am like again my tendency is to kind of go all in just like oh i'm going to fully rebuild but um, especially cause I don't have picks next year, which hurts. So I kind of, I really have like, so I, I guess for me, it's almost like a three year window. Like I'm like, I'm almost waiting three years for this thing to to put a more concrete answer to what you're asking. Um, in which case, like there are some pieces that, you know, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds get, get whatever I can for him. Like, um, then there are other pieces calvin ridley i'm gonna hold you know his values (laughs) i have to hold him swift i probably have to hold just because someone's not gonna give me enough hope he has another really good year and becomes like a, a top 10 dynasty asset um so that that's sort of what's going through my head uh i did want to point out i'm in another league that and this would have helped davis and pat a lot if our league was structured this way so their rookie draft what they do is it's an auction but where, but the picks have like a dollar value to them. So if you would have gotten the 101, it's worth like $400 or something. The 102s were 380. Uh, that would have helped because they have so many picks, they're having a trouble like utilizing them all. They're almost wasting draft picks because they they just have so many and they don't have the roster spaces. So um, that was one of the the challenging parts for them as far as starting like with the full on rebuild. Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRadio2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription
1: Final question to move into today is going to be around um, kind of the evolution of Dynasty and, and what we've noticed over the last couple of years. I mentioned earlier in the show how, you know, people are reading more content. They're, you know, becoming smarter in their drafts. They're making better decisions. And that obviously leads then to it's harder in Dynasty to make those, you know, trades that you might have gained a little bit of extra value. So what are some of the evolving parts or the evolution of Dynasty that you've
3: noticed over the last couple of years, Mike? I know for the leagues I play and the people I play with, like best ball is just so massive for Dynasty because it's this weird combination of being really obsessive at certain periods of time where there's nothing better than going through and offering trades to all sorts of trades to your league or there's nothing better than preparing for the rookie draft. But I mean, in season's tough. if you And if you want to do multiple Dynasty leagues, it's, it's just really hard to manage weekly waivers and stuff. So I've definitely seen people move towards best ball the appetite for dynasty is there more uh the leagues i absolutely love to play in as far as like non-leagues that i'm starting myself or non-local leagues are the rotoviz triflex leagues on ffpc i did two of those startups last year those are awesome leagues um, and i think there's a can have a huge edge in those leagues just understanding the depth that you need uh i did one with coraine and one by myself and both of them just, just traded down so much and have this huge depth and people like just not understanding the combination of deeper starting rosters with best ball scoring like what that does for you so I I love those leagues but yeah the appetite for Dynasty everywhere is bigger you know we're doing more content for it over at Established to Run we got Anthony Amico doing our rankings um, and it's also like like su- everything super flex which is great it's nice to see, see it move in that direction
1: I'll throw that question to you, Sean, as well. Um, obviously, you're involved in a lot of Dynasty Leagues. What are some of the things that you're noticing occurring?
2: Well, I, I would agree with all those. And Dynasty is just so much fun. I appreciate the, the mention of the road of this. triflex Leagues, I just had an article come out looking at the three teams that I did with Blair, Ben, and Monty, and kind of how those look, what the approach would be. Got a big Dynasty workshop coming out over the next month that'll go through so many different elements of it and how you can build this Dynasty. And, you know, what I like to talk about when we talk about on stealing bananas in terms of the permanent championship window. And so I think that this league has been interesting to see how different teams have evolved. You mentioned that some of the teams got stuck a little bit being in the middle. And yet there is some potential for those teams to maybe now be consistently good, depending on what they do. Is there anything like specifically from this league or just some other things that you've done that would change your personal dynasty approach as you go through here and or, I mean, to, to be good at the different elements of fantasy, I think it's valuable to not just like have one way that you play dynasty, one way that you play best ball, et cetera, et cetera. But what are some of the things now or the approaches that you like to mix? I mean, what would be your balance of the way that you attack dynasty leagues?
3: Yeah. I mean, the one of the biggest things I have in the back of my mind when I'm playing Dynasty, and you really see it play out when you've been involved three, four years plus in some of these leagues. And Pat Crane like really instilled this in me is like just thinking of the trade value of the player year out, like having that kind of focus. Um, so just like you're not trying to project a player for three plus years, but you are just having an awareness of what could they do this year combined with their age and uh, how people felt about him going into the year to just have this gauge of what are you going to be able to do with this player in a year? Because if it's hard. You don't have a lot of ways to roster build, especially in the leagues I'm doing where there's less free agency activity. I mean, it's the rookie free agent draft and trading, and those go hand to hand. That and something that's more specific that I'm thinking through more is how to attack quarterback in these super flex leagues, particularly with super flex best ball, where the scarcity is very real. And I did a league with Pat, the road triflex league, where you'll hopefully we're set. We have Trey Lance, Justin Fields and Mac Jones, and hopefully we're set for a long time and not having to worry about those positions could be such a huge edge, but we struggled year one. Uh, My other road triflex league, I won the league and but I did it with Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and and Ben Roethlisberger. And now I'm, you know, I have a pretty dominant team, but like, I have a pretty big hole at the most important position. And as we've seen in my rebuild in the trade that in the league that we made the trade, Sean, you know, taking that cheap quantity approach at quarterback, it might work for a couple of years, but you start to see the value of, um, these assets that are just going to help you for 10 years. So. I don't have a good answer as to the best way to approach that, but I'm probably more open to investing more premium dollars into quarterback than I was two years ago in some of these startup leagues.
2: It's interesting that you mentioned that with Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, because the, those players are pretty heavily represented on my road of this. Yeah, players.
3: they could they could be fine. I literally don't have a third though, which for best ball too, like you need three, you know, for, and manage versus best ball is huge. I'm in a managed league where uh, it's super flex and I just moved. Justin Fields and Chase Claypool for AJ Brown because I've got Jalen Hurts I've got Tua I've got a draft pick that I can use on Malik Willis and you know I can once in a while get a quarterback off waivers like it's a lot different managed versus best ball at that quarterback position
2: and I think that even though there's some risk again we talk about kind of benefiting from the wide range of outcomes guys and if you hit then you're in very good shape. The prices for those QBs and they could still hit on I mean, Wilson looks <laughs> pretty sketchy at the moment, but if you do hit at the price, then you're set for a long time. Some chances to add some more guys in there. So we have to let you go. It's been a lot of fun, but I did want to, you know, just get a little in here, a bold prediction. Um, and, you know, as you work with Anthony, you know, ha- have to go back and do. am I going to take the
3: title from him this year? I think so. I'm gonna hope our deal's a win-win. I know it's hard. I work with Anthony, but I trade with you. Uh, I think we're gonna see a new champion this year. And it'll probably be funny because Davis's team will will make the jump and and, and be there. Davis's team is never gonna make it. I'm gonna to have to side bet Davis. Like, can I rebuild faster, having placed the first two years, than he starting with a rebuild? So we'll see.
1: The other good thing you mentioned on that triflex flex league is Trey Lance will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers in 2023. So you can look forward to that next season. Uh, just as we wrap up, thanks a lot for jumping aboard again, Mike, and uh, go and follow him on Twitter if you're not already, at 2 hats one mike and make sure to check out all his work over at Establish the Run. Mike, as always, it's been, been a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, I have an Establish the Edge podcast, too, where I just did a – an episode going over kind of my favorite rules for dynasty so that's up and uh basically the rules for this league sean and i are talking about are reflected in the podcast pretty heavily
1: really terrific stuff there from mike one of my favorite people like the the advantage sean of doing your own podcast is you pretty much pick the favorite people that you want to talk to and you get them on your shows and it's we're we're fortunate enough that these guys want to come on and and talk. So, uh, Mike is always one of the the great ones to have on. So, really enjoyed that. But, yeah, just just fantastic stuff. Really enjoyed hearing the the behind the scenes story of the uh, the trade that went down as well.
2: Yeah, it's always fun to have someone on that you have that kind of respect for and that you get to interact with on a variety of these leagues. It's fun to be in that one with him. He mentioned all of the great stuff with the Rotoviz Triflex Leagues. We encourage everybody to go over there and check those out. The $77 and $250 startups are now available. We have the new Dynasty Rankings System on the site, and we've talked about that on a few of the shows. Ben Gretchen and I did a Stealing Bananas episode, really more or less dedicated to that. So if you're looking for some more insight into how we're doing those rankings, check out stealing bananas, but basically we've got rankings for you. We've got tiers and the tiers are giving you trade values. Those trade values, as we kind of talked about with Mike today can be so helpful in terms of understanding, you know, what you should be looking to do in trades. And uh, one of the things that I thought was the most fun today was just getting to hear his thoughts on the trade. And, you know, obviously as you're building these trades out, there's this, Negotiation process, but you understand that it has to work for the other side as well. And one of the things that we both knew there is that, you know, whoever takes these players in a year or two, you know, they're going to have to deal with some of the downside of that. How does it fit into the different teams? Uh, You and I have talked a lot about this idea that when you add a dynasty player to your roster, In the vast majority of situations, it needs to be a player where you can play them for two years and then trade them. In that conversation that we have today, you can see where that might not necessarily be the case. And there's this interesting mix in terms of how my team is set up. We we talked about it when we had Mike on the show in the past, but the thing that happened there that sped up my approach a little bit is that in the startup auction, everything went just so perfectly it was kind of this miracle run through the auction but part of what i did with that one and you know, we try and create the permanent championship window by moving all of the value of the team into the current year but have the players all be very young to where they're going to have that trade value for a long time well what happens is that sean watson goes out and does the things that he does and then probably something that is more on me is that carson wentz turned out not to be a good football player now i had the great good fortune of the colts <laughs> and the commanders seemingly be willing to uh, take some risk on that. So they're going to keep him at that, at least low value, which especially in the best ball version is very, very valuable, but column. I ended up actually moving Watson to Anthony for Baker Mayfield in a trade last year, you know, that worked out decently for me, allowed me to finish second. Anthony still won despite just sitting on Watson. He now has Watson for this season. You know, I've been skeptical of how many games Watson will play. That's still very much up in the air, but it does add some upside to his team for this season because the quarterback situation was never really going to be where I needed it to be. And the picks were probably not going to be in the range where you could get that elite quarterback to put in there. Then you've got to be creative, right? You have to understand and react to the league that you're in. So we'll see if this works. We'll see if the good sort of youth and peak career player depth that I have outside of the trade that we talked about today. If I'm able to trade out of that, keep this team alive. I don't ever want to have uh, these teams that are dead, but if you do, then make sure you make the right moves. And I think that what Mike has done here is fantastic because you sit on it for one more year and you know, the team could never be good again, right? I mean, rebuilding and dynasty is not easy. And so I think he's made a really nice path for himself and and it's just a, it's a fun league to track so we appreciate him coming on for the show and as you mentioned at the end of thursday's broadcast we've got another one of our absolute favorite guests next week
1: yeah we have peter overzat coming on next week so we're going to keep it going we didn't have uh, pretty much any guests uh for, for maybe 300 episodes we've we started to sprinkle some in but in the off season, it's a perfect time there's a little bit more flexibility of people's schedules and that so um, yeah really fantastic to be getting these guys coming on over the the coming weeks and over the past weeks we have had some great guests if anyone hasn't checked out those episodes we've had you know the likes of Denny Carter and John Daigle and, and so on and we've had some great draft content with Matt Hicks and Travis May and Travis will be back on again ahead of the NFL draft so
2: i did i joked with the audience that i was going to get some um trade offers into danny kelly after we had him on the show and rojo was the name mentioned i did get that trade out to him he did laugh and decline it so uh, we appreciate him coming on his spot was also fantastic
1: yeah that's true like we've just been on such a run trying to i was just going off the top of my head but yeah I'm sure you offered multiple first-round picks to try and get Rojo in that in that trade. I don't know if it was before he was at the Chiefs or after, but yeah, um, we'll we'll talk about that more in future episodes. But yeah, it is um, it's it's fantastic bringing these shows each and every week and the support of the the listeners all season long, all off season, and uh, for the people who've been here for you know 400 episodes or if this is your first episode, thanks a lot for tuning in for the support you can um, you know, support us a little bit more by heading over to your favorite podcast app. Usually it's Apple uh, Podcast. I know Spotify have started to give the option to leave uh, written reviews. You can refresh your review, or you can also um, drop a new review there if you can. If you haven't done it, it, only takes a couple of minutes. It really will help us out here as we continue to grow uh, the Road of His Overtime podcast and Road of His Radio in general. We would really appreciate that. So we will be back on Tuesday with another podcast episode, and then we'll have Another two later in the week. We'll at least have Peter Overset on for one of those. We'll see how it plays out scheduling wise. But that is going to take us to the end of the show. Once again, that promo code is Rotoviz over at underdog. And of course, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass with the code RVRadio2022 at checkout. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, check out all of Sean's work up on Rotoviz.com. And until we're back on Tuesday, have a good one.